Quickly, I want you to note that in the bulletin, you will find this week's sermon text and next week's sermon text. I plan on providing you with next week's sermon text while we're going through Second Chronicles because it is helpful to read ahead and become familiar with the story we're going to talk about on any particular Sunday. So it'll be available to you. I hope you'll make use of that and read the story before we come together as we will work through, at times, large portions of Scripture. You'll not be able to read every single verse in the time frame we have allotted. So if you'll read it, you'll be better prepared. We, we have a couple dogs at our house. We have a chocolate lab. He's wonderful. And we have a, uh, another dog. And she is a cross between a black lab, an Australian shepherd, and stupid. She... <laughs> She is really problematic. She's got this issue of wanting to get out of the yard. For some reason, she thinks getting out of the yard is better than staying in the yard. And, and I've tried to convince her that that's just not true. I mean, I've sat down with her and I've told her, Roxy, you go outside the yard, you think you're free. You think you can just run and have all this fun time out there. You hear your friends down the street. You think you need to go see them. You know the neighbors left out some food. You think it's your snack. Listen, freedom is not outside the fence. Outside the fence, you get squashed by a car. You're going to die outside the fence. Inside the fence is your freedom. You need to stay in here. As much as I try to convince her, as much as I try to get her to listen to me, she just keeps going through that fence. And I'm telling you, it's something else. We have this wrought iron fence. The gap between the fence is not very big. And she's a pretty good-sized dog. So what she's got to do is she's got to get a little head start. And she just runs herself into that fence as hard as she can so that her shoulders will scrunch up inside that wrought iron. And then she just wiggles herself through there. It looks very painful. So every time she does it, I'm hoping it hurts her really bad. Uh, but, but she keeps on doing it. And she just won't listen. And so I decided I'm going to build a collar. It will prevent her from going through the fence. Now, I'm not going to tell you about that collar because I'd probably be turned into dog services or something like that. But let's just say that she's not leaving the yard anymore. And uh, it's been very effective. Now, what I'd like to believe is when she sits out in the yard and she has this collar on, she's laying there with sad eyes because she can't go outside the, the fence. I'm, I'm li- I'd like to believe that at that point she's sitting there thinking, I should have listened. But she's a fool, so she doesn't think that. <laughs> now, does anybody, does anybody relate to that story? I mean, if we're really honest about our own lives, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you, you are now carrying a lot of baggage or have this experience these circumstances and really it all boils down to the fact that at some point along the way in your life you just didn't listen am i the only one (laughs) it seems like that's a common experience We, we should have listened we should have done what we were supposed to do and we didn't and now look at the mess we're in well well god has something to say about that and i'm really praying that every one of us today will listen 2 Chronicles chapter 10 begins our story of the son of Solomon. We've talked about the great reign of Solomon, the best of Solomon, and it's come to an end. And now his son is reigning, and his son's name is Rehoboam. And chapter 10 gives us an introduction into his rule in Israel. So let's read that together. Chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. So all Israel comes to this place, Shechem. They crown Rehoboam king. Now Shechem is important, and the the chronicler has pointed out the location so that we would remember what Shechem 
is, where it is, what's going on, why is that significant? If you were listening to the Chronicler tell the Chronicles for the very first time, you would immediately think about the history of Shechem. And you would recall to mind that Shechem is the place where Abraham heard the Lord promise him, all the land you see will belong to you and your descendants. How's that Shechem? Shechem is the place years later where Joshua gathered Israel and said to Israel, if you listen to the Lord, He's going to bless us. But if we don't listen to the Lord, He's going to judge us. And after He gave that that speech to Israel, they go in, they take the promised land, and after the promised land is taken by Israel, Joshua stands before the people and says to them, at Shechem, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then he sets a stone up at Shechem, a memorial stone, right in front of the people. And that stone was to remind them every time they saw it there at Shechem that they made a promise to the Lord that they would listen to His voice. So right there at Shechem, right where Rehoboam comes with all Israel, there's this stone somewhere that's there as a reminder to all Israel to listen to the Lord. So all Israel comes together to crown Rehoboam king at Shechem. Verse 2, when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of it, for he was in Egypt where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon, Jeroboam returned from Egypt. This is the point in the story as a listener to the storyteller that you're supposed to kind of have this gasp of, this sounds like trouble. That's exactly what's going on. Jeroboam, who fled from Solomon for some reason, Heard that Solomon died, has now come home. That does not sound good at all. Verse 3. So they, Israel, sent and summoned him, Jeroboam. When Jeroboam and all Israel came, they spoke to Rehoboam. So see the picture here? Rehoboam goes to Shechem, crowned king. And guess who shows up at Shechem? Jeroboam who had left because he's afraid of Rehoboam's father, Solomon. Now he's come back and all Israel has selected Jeroboam to be their spokesperson. Now do you see this picture of trouble that's coming? I mean, it's not going to be good. Verse 4, we hear what they have to say. Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us and we will serve you. And so Rehoboam said to them, return to me again in three days. And so the people left. And Rehoboam, for the next three days, spent some time seeking out counsel of those around him. He first seeks out the elders. And he asks them, these guys are guys that that led and served Solomon. Led with Solomon, served with Solomon for all those 40 years of this majestic reign. I mean, these guys know how to lead a country. These are the guys who know the answer to this question. Rehoboam goes to him and says, how shall I respond to the people? And look what, look what they say to Rehoboam. Verse 7, if you will be kind to this people and please them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. That sounds like pretty good advice. But Rehoboam forsakes their advice and he goes instead and asks a bunch of young guys, his peers, that have been serving him Um, Kind of his yes men, guys who are in the entourage of the king's son just because it's a great place to be. And they're ready to tell Rehoboam exactly what Rehoboam would like to hear. So Rehoboam asks them the question, what should I answer the people? And these young guys 
have an answer that Rehoboam really does like. Let's see what they say. Verse 11, or right at the end of verse 10. Thus you shall say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. You think my dad was bad? I am much worse. You think he was strong? I'm stronger. You think he was big? I'm bigger. You think you had it hard with him? You're going to have it more difficult with me. They tell him to say that. Well, Rehoboam gives him time to think about those things. He says, I like what the young guys are saying. And so he goes to the people. He doesn't listen to the people. He answers them harshly. And he says exactly what those young guys said to say. He says, you think my dad was bad. Way do you get a load of what I'm going to do to you. This is trouble. Look what happens. Verse 16. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king saying, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So the tribes say to Rehoboam, we are not willing to be under your rule. If that's the way you're going to rule, we're out. And we would rather have Jeroboam rule over us. And so ten tribes in that moment take the exodus away from Rehoboam's rule. They'd rather be reigned by Jeroboam. Now, Rehoboam, when he sees all this unfolding, he thinks, man, I've got to bring this back together. And so what he does is he sends one of his leaders to try to reconcile that group back. Look at, look at verse, uh, verse 17. Verse 18, Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, who was over the forced labor, and the sons of Israel stoned him to death. And then King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot and flee to Jerusalem. So King uh, Rehoboam tries to, create some reconciliation. The people reject that. They stone Hadaram. And then Rehoboam has to run for his life. And uh, the end of this story, verse 19, so Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. So Judah and the house of David stay under Rehoboam's reign. uh, Benjamin also gathers in with that. So there's two tribes that are following Rehoboam, ten tribes that were Jeroboam. The kingdom is split. And uh, the story of trouble has been made clear. This is not good. And what we have seen in Chronicles so far is this incredible story of the wisdom of Solomon. And now we get this story of the foolishness of Rehoboam. And man, is he foolish. He goes to the elders and asks their opinion. These, guys, these are guys who know the right answers. They have good advice. They give him great advice. And Rehoboam just says, nah, I don't want to listen to you. I'd rather listen to these young guys. They're more like what I'd want to say. They're kind of hip. They know how to dress. They know the day's fashion. They're in. And so I want to listen to them. And he says what they have to say. It's just foolish. It'd be like you students getting your uh, progress reports. I think they're coming out. Have they come out yet? Progress reports? You don't know? (laughs) Then you need to pay attention to what I'm fixing to say. It'd be like you getting progress reports. You're going home to your mom and dad and them them seeing your progress reports. And them saying, hey... um, You know, things aren't as good as what we'd like them to be on your progress reports. And so we'd really like you to go back and talk to your teachers about how you can do a little bit better in some of these classes. And so the next day you think, okay, I'll go ask my teachers. So you go to to, uh, tutorials and you say, I'd like to 
to find out what I could do to do better in the class. And the teacher lays out this plan. And it's this great opportunity to get in there early and figure out what to do and improve your grades. And your teacher's really gone the extra mile. It's incredible. And you think, well, that's, that's good. That sounds great. But I kind of want to go ask my buddies, too. So I, I'm going to go ask, you know, my friends and see what they say. So you go and you say, hey, here's the situation. This is my, my parents want me to find out what to do. What do you think I ought to do? And they're like, Xbox? What do you think, man? And you're like... That sounds like a great idea. And so you're like all about Xbox now, and you're forgetting your studies. That, that's foolish, all right? You didn't know it. That's all foolish. You're going to end up just like my dog in the backyard with a crazy collar on. You don't want to do that. That's Rehoboam, complete fool. I mean, he is doing stuff that's just so ridiculous. He gets his, his buddy, his leader, Hadaram, to go back in to try to reconcile. Think about this. This is not smart. Hadaram is the guy that's in charge of forced labor in Israel. The people have complained they don't want a heavy yoke. Rehoboam, bright idea. Let's send the guy who's responsible for the heaviest yoke in all the kingdom. Well, no wonder they stoned him. That'd be like sending Phil Robertson, the duck commander, to a PETA convention. <laughs> that's not going to work. I mean, we're talking people for the ethical treatment of animals, PETA, everybody got that? It's not a smart thing. It's not going to work out. Now, what makes it really, really bad, really, really foolish, is that Rehoboam doesn't even pay attention to everything that his own father exemplified and taught him all the years he was growing up. Rehoboam was like 40 years old when he becomes king. He had four decades of watching his father lead, hearing his father teach. You know that he heard somewhere along the way his father say something about a harsh answer stirs up anger. Rehoboam didn't care. He answered the people harshly. And look what happens. You know that he had to have heard Solomon teach on wisdom. I mean, the, the audience of Solomon's teaching on wisdom in Proverbs is predominantly his kids. He wants his sons to understand wisdom. And here Rehoboam is growing up in Solomon's house and he has heard things said by Solomon. Things like, wisdom is calling out. Wisdom is crying out for one who would understand and listen. A king reigns by wisdom. If you hate wisdom, you love death. Oh, that's found in Proverbs chapter 8. Surely Rehoboam heard those things, but Rehoboam does not listen. He is so foolish. And his foolishness cost him a great deal. It cost him the kingdom. It cost him the life of one of his leaders. And he has to run for his very life back to Jerusalem to find any kind of safety. Foolishness. It's so much better to listen. To listen to wisdom, to listen to counsel, to listen to all the sources of wisdom God places in your life, your parents, your elders, your teachers, to listen to wisdom. More than anything, it is critical that you listen to what God has to say. That you listen to the Lord. I've got a friend who called me this week, and he and his family, he's got four little kids, a wife, and his wife is 34 years old. He called me this week because his wife has cancer and she's been going through chemotherapy. And it's just, man, the treatments that she's going through are brutal. 
and the physical suffering is terrible, and it's just a, it's just a difficult situation for this, this young family with four little kids. And he called me this week, and he just said, and these, these are the words he used. He says, I need wisdom. I need help. I need advice. I need prayer. I need anything. Can you just help me? And I tried the best I could, but you know, when it's all said and done in that conversation, I, I felt like I was so encouraged by him. Because here he is in the middle of just a tragic situation that I can't even imagine. And he is crying out, I want to hear what the Lord has to say. Because what he has to say makes all the difference. It was incredible. I had another guy that I talked to this last week. And he's in a situation where he's got a lot of self-imposed difficulty. You ever had some of that in your life? You make bad decisions, should have listened. And uh, all of a sudden, all these things are happening in your life. You think, man, I wish I wasn't in this mess. But he's in that situation, self-imposed mess. He made bad decisions. He said to me, he goes, man, I just, I, I am so sorry about what I've done. And I just need help. Will you help me? And man, it was so encouraging because he was saying, I'm ready to listen Whatever the Lord needs to say to me, I'm ready to hear it. And it was so encouraging to see someone who is ready to listen in the midst of difficulty. Because you know what? That's not the typical pattern. The typical pattern is more like Rehoboam. He finds himself in a crisis, and what does he do? He doesn't listen to wisdom. He doesn't listen to people. He doesn't listen to the Lord. I mean, I wonder how close Rehoboam was in that moment standing at Shechem to that stone that Joshua set up there as a reminder I wonder just how close he was to that stone that was the reminder to everyone in Israel, you better listen to the Lord. No matter where you find yourself, no matter what situation you're in, listen to the Lord. Rehoboam wouldn't listen. He's in the middle of crisis, and he would not hear what God had to say. You know, I find over and over again through the years of ministry that that happens far too often. An individual finds themselves in a situation And maybe it's self-imposed difficulty. They've sinned, they've made choices, they've done some things that are wrong, and everything just kind of seems to be falling apart. And instead of listening to people who love them, instead of listening to people in the church, instead of listening to their pastors, instead of listening to wise counsel, they turn to the advice of the foolish. Maybe they're in a situation where it's just a crisis, just a tragedy, because they're living in this world, and the world just seems to be crashing in on them. And instead of turning to the Lord and listening to Him, they become angry. They blame God and they wonder, why did God let this happen? Instead of listening to people around them that are godly, that are clinging to the Lord, they turn away from good counsel. They turn away from the Lord and they turn to the advice of the foolish. One of the tragic areas I've seen that happen again and again and again through the years is when a husband or a wife will come to me And they'll say to me, I'm not happy in my marriage anymore. And I just don't think God wants me to stay in this marriage because I'm not happy. I know He loves me. I know He cares about me. And He wants me to be happy. And I know He'll forgive me if I I get out of this marriage. What do you think? My response is, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what my advice is. You need to listen to the wisdom of God. 
And the wisdom of God says to you that you should not leave the marriage even if you're not happy. Because the marriage is not about you being happy. It's about you trusting Jesus Christ. About Him doing something in your life, even in difficulty, that will bring great glory to His name and great pleasure in your life. It's about following Him because He's trustworthy. Stay in that marriage. Long term, you'll understand what God can do with that decision to follow Him no matter what. He wants you to follow Him. And I'll, I'll petition, I'll beg, I'll show them. And, and they'll look at me like, but I'm not happy. And invariably, they'll leave. And they'll go find some other group of people that will say to them, you're not happy and God wouldn't want you to be that way and I think you need to divorce your spouse. And they'll go ahead and they'll do that and when it's all said and done and they get to the end of all these decisions, they look back on their life, I can guarantee you they will say it was not worth it. It's always better to listen to the Lord, especially when you're in difficulty, whether it's because of the world, whether it's because of something you imposed upon yourself. It is always better to listen to the Lord. Always. And 2 Chronicles tells us why. I love the message here in this story. Now, in order to get to the complete message, I've got to give you a little instruction on biblical narrative. So let's step out of the story just for a second. And they give you a couple more terms you need to jot down. So you have in your memory, all right? When you're looking at biblical narratives, these apply as you study Scripture. Here are the two terms, blanks and gaps. Those are the two terms, a blank and a gap, okay? So a blank is information that the storyteller, the author of Scripture, omits from the story because it's not relevant to the revelation intended in the text. So a blank is information that is omitted from the story. We have an example of that from last week's story. The story of Solomon. Remember the story of the best of Solomon? Well, the chronicler left out a bunch of the bad stuff about Solomon. And we know that because we know the parallel history found in Samuel and Kings. But just because we know that there's information left out, we need to make sure that the text is telling us whether or not to include it or whether or not to just ignore it. Because it's not relevant to the revelation. Well, in the story of Solomon, the best of Solomon, all the bad stuff he did is not relevant to the story. Remember, we are supposed to understand from that story that a king is coming that is better than the best of Solomon. And in order to understand what that new king is going to be like, we need to see the best of Solomon. And so he painted a picture of the best of Solomon. That information about Solomon's failures was not relevant to the point of the story. Blank. You fill in the blank and you mess up the story as intended by God for revealing Himself. Now, a gap is information that is omitted from the story that is meant to be filled in. You're supposed to fill in that information because the chronicler assumes that we know the parallel histories in Samuel and Kings. There's information that's omitted from the story that we are supposed to fill in because we know it and we are told within the story to fill it in. In other words, there's clues There's flags that are raised in the story saying, fill in this omitted information because there's something here that makes the whole thing say about God what you are supposed to hear. In today's story, we have an example of a gap, something that's omitted purposefully that we are intended to fill in so we see the full picture. And we can see the clues. Look at at 2 Chronicles chapter 10 with me. You can see the clues in verse 2 
and in verse 15. In verse 2, it talks about Jeroboam fleeing from the presence of Solomon, being in Egypt. Well, that's our first question. Why is he telling us who Jeroboam is? Why is he telling us that Jeroboam had an issue with Solomon? And why is he telling us that Jeroboam is coming back from Egypt? And he dropped down to verse 15, and verse 15 said, The king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of events from God that the Lord might establish his word, which he spoke through Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Here's Jeroboam again, and another character, the prophet Ahijah. And we had this whole situation that's unfolding before us, and now we're being told, wait a minute, something's going on here that God already talked about. This is unfolding because God had a plan. And so all of a sudden we're given two clues referencing the same exact story in 1 Kings chapter 11. Those are flags within the biblical narrative by the chronicler where he intends us to fill in the gap because there's something about that story that's going to bring all this revelation of who God is together in this story. So you look back to 1 Kings chapter 11, you're going to find a story of Jeroboam. How Jeroboam leaves Jerusalem one day as a faithful servant of Solomon. And prophet Ahijah finds Jeroboam outside the city. And he says, hey, I want to talk to you for a second. It's just the two of them. And Ahijah takes his cloak. He tears it into ten pieces. And he says to Jeroboam, take for yourself ten pieces. So Jeroboam takes ten pieces. like, what in the world am I doing here? And Ahijah goes, those ten pieces represent the ten tribes of Israel that will be under your reign. Because of the idolatry of Solomon, I'm going to split the kingdom." Ten tribes will be yours, but two tribes will remain with Rehoboam, Solomon's son. You cannot dislodge him from being a king. You cannot get him off the throne. You cannot get him out of Jerusalem. There will be a, 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 a son of David on the throne in Jerusalem forever. But the light of David will not be extinguished. The lamp will not go out. Even though I'm going to judge Israel The throne of David is secure. He says all of that to Jeroboam. And here we are given the clue that we need to fill in that gap so we can see the message here in the story. All right, now you consider that you're a listener of the Chronicles story. You have just come back from exile. Do you know who you are? The ten tribes under Jeroboam were completely destroyed. They were gone. And only the two tribes were left. They did not honor God. God brought in the Babylonians. The Babylonians wiped them out, took them into captivity. And they were off in Babylon in captivity under the Persians. Those two tribes were basically eradicated in terms of their identity. They had no more temple. The temples were destroyed. They had no more land. They were taken to Babylon. They had no more function in, in, in terms of living before the Lord and sacrifices, the priests, the temple, the altar. None of that was happening all those years in captivity. Everything was blown up because of judgment and nothing was the same. God steps in and he sends the people back to Israel. They go back to Israel. They rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple. It's not as good as it was before, but they've, they've done it. They have no king on the throne. They're still under Persian rule. Nothing is the same. Everything has changed. And the chronicler has told them the story of Rehoboam this way. So they will will respond by saying, we have the answer to our question. Everything's fallen apart. Nothing is the same. 
is God still going to give us a king? And the story of Rehoboam says, absolutely, he is going to give you a king. Because no judgment of God changes God's promise to fulfill a king on the throne of David. So here they are, come out of judgment, no king on the throne. And the story of Rehoboam is saying, there's a king that will come. So you need to keep on listening to the Lord, no matter what it's like where you live right now. We need to keep listening to the Lord. The truth is that there are people right here in this room And your life is different today because you made some bad choices in the past. I mean, if we're really honest, there's not a single person in this room that doesn't fit into that category. Our life is different because we should have listened. And a lot of us fit into that category. My life is really different today because I live in this world and this tragedy happened to me. I didn't mean for this to happen. I didn't ask for this to happen. It just happened and my life is different. The truth is that life is really hard at times. It often does not go the way that we think it would have gone. And here we are in the same situation looking that life is not the same. We can't get back what we've lost. What are we supposed to do? And the message of the Chronicler just rings in our hearts promises of God have not changed even though things in your life have so right now right where you are listen to the Lord because he always accomplishes what he promises to accomplish always you know 200 years after Rehoboam reigned and 300 years before the chronicler wrote his stories right in the middle of that time frame A prophet named Isaiah said something. He said, Thus saith the Lord, A child will be born to us. A son will be given. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. There is a king coming who will say something we need to hear. He will also be called the Prince of Peace. What he says will resonate into our lives right where we live and bring peace to our hearts. Jesus Christ came as that King. He gave his life on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead to conquer death. And he went to be with the Father because one day he said he's coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to take everything that's still wrong, everything, and he's going to make it right for those who listen to him. And in the meantime, the good news is that right now we have a king calling out to us to listen to him now. And that king is nothing like Rehoboam. Rehoboam had the people come to him and say, we want life to be better. And the king had the power to make life better. And you know what he said? I'm going to make life worse. Jesus is not like Rehoboam. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Listen, you come to Jesus Christ with all the things you should have listened to him about, all the failures, all the mistakes. He's not going to say to you, I told you so. You're just going to suffer in that. You're going to waller in that. You're going to be stuck in the backyard. No. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, I want to forgive you. Every moment you should have listened to me, I'm ready to forgive you. Listen and find forgiveness. You come to Jesus because you are just being crushed by this world. You've had all kinds of things happen to you that you don't even know how to navigate. You're like, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? Jesus is not responding by saying to you, well, you deserve it. No. Jesus is the one who says, I will take whatever happens in your life And I will work it for good right now. And then when I come back, I'm going to take all the pain and all the suffering and I'm going to turn it into joy forever because I'm the one who redeems. Listen. Jesus' words are sweeter than honey to your tongue. Listen. You will never, ever be disappointed. The deacons come forward. We're going to do communion to close our service out. And we want you during communion just to listen to the Lord. That's it. We're not going to sing a song. We're going to have some music playing, but we just want you to listen. We're going to have some scripture passages scrolling on the screen. If you want to read those passages, listen to the Lord. I am convinced there's some of you here today who need to hear what God has to say to your life right now in these 10 minutes. There's some sin in your life you've not been willing to hear Him say. You need to confess that. There's some decision in your life, maybe what you're going to do, where you're going to go, how you're going to follow Him, and you've just not been willing to hear it. Listen to the Lord. It's always better to listen to Him. So as you take communion today, you make sure that you're making the most of this moment and listening to the Lord, and no one take communion who has not decided to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Don't take communion if you've not made that decision. And if you have, spend this time listening to Jesus Christ. You won't be disappointed.